So Jesus wasn't put off his mission. That's what we're thinking about today. And uh, thinking of the question, how can we live with a heavenly worldview in a me-first culture? How can we live with a heavenly worldview in a me-first culture? Well, let's look at what we might learn from Jesus in this passage. He's, this, we're in the season of Lent, of course, remember, and this story reminds us that Jesus and his earthly life is on that journey to Jerusalem, the journey to the cross. Um, and so here he is, the Pharisees meet him and try to get him to go on the run to get away from that old fox, Herod, to put his own safety first above the call to Jerusalem and the salvation of the world and the bringing of the kingdom of heaven. But we can see that personal safety wasn't something that Jesus allowed to get in the way of the mission that he was sent to begin. Despite the threats to his life from this evil ruler, he tells the Pharisees this, I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and the third day I will accomplish my purpose. So what was his purpose? What was his mission? Well, in the short term, it was to get to Jerusalem, to lay down his life for his friends, in other words, for everyone, and to rise again on the third day. This is what he continues to say. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must proceed on my way, for it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. He knew he was on his way to death. And why was his mission necessary? Well, it was necessary because people had rejected the God who longed to gather them together and shelter them like a mother hen protects her chicks. Jesus wasn't put off his mission. He knew where he was going and he knew how to get there. He knew the day was coming when he would enter into Jerusalem and the crowds would welcome him with those words from Psalm 118, words commonly associated with the entry of the priest into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place in the temple. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And on that first Palm Sunday, those words would ring in their ears as Jesus, the priest king, went on his way to the cross, taking with him the sin of the world, emptying himself with every ounce of love that he had from God's infinite source. So years after the death of Jesus, Paul writes to the Philippians, and he says this, Paul is critical of those who think only about life here on earth. Such people, according to Paul, are enemies of the cross of Christ. Instead, he urges his hearers to consider themselves as citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus lives. So we can see from that letter 
that followers of Jesus are to see themselves, ourselves, as citizens of heaven, where the risen Lord Jesus lives. And from the city of heaven, where we reside, we are to eagerly look for the Savior, the risen Christ. As an aside here, some translations of that verse talk about eagerly anticipating the return of the Savior. But in the Greek, there isn't any word for return. So really, it's more accurate to talk about eagerly awaiting or eagerly looking for the Savior. One needs always to be looking for the Savior and anticipating the time when Christ will bring change into every situation. The word for change in this passage is transfigure. And he's talking about, Paul's talking about transfiguring or changing weak mortal bodies into glorious bodies, just like his risen body, as he makes all things subject to Christ. Well, some have called this the great Christ project, the Christening of the earth, if you like, or the heavening of the earth. I like the term, the christening of the earth. We use that term christening when we baptize babies. We say we christen the baby. And what we're effectively saying is that we're making the baby subject to Christ or full of Christ, or we're desiring that the baby be one with Christ, or we're saying that the child's true nature is Christ. That's the great missional project of the church, the christening of the earth. And it's all about the making of the body of Christ. We might put that another way by saying that Christ is heavening the earth. In other words, the things of heaven are consuming the earth now, which is another way of saying that God's heavenly kingdom rule is spreading throughout the earth in the midst of all the darkness and the pain and the sorrow and the sin and the suffering, God's kingdom is growing. Christ is now our life. Paul says somewhere else in one of his other letters, the old has gone, the new has come. This means that Christ enables people to see or to anticipate a better future and inspires people to work creatively to make it happen. That's what the church is all about, seeing a better future, a better world, and being inspired to cause it, bring it to being. We should really say that Christ inspires people to work co-creatively because God has made humans to be co-creators with God of a better world. We work with the Spirit of God to bring transformation we work with God to bring the new creation. I think this is what it means, at least in part, to live as a citizen of heaven in a me-first culture, to see a better world through the eyes of Christ, eyes which are compassionate, just, and loving. I came across a good quote this week by a theologian called Ilya Delio, a Franciscan who's written a book called Christ in Evolution. 
And she says this, Christ is the power of God among us and within us, the fullness of the earth and of life in the universe. She says, we humans have the potential to make Christ alive. It's what we are created for. Now, if you listen to nothing else for the rest of today, take that thought away with you. We humans have the potential to make Christ alive. It's what we were created for. Where might we make Christ alive this week coming? In our homes, in our families, in our workplaces. Where might we make Christ alive? She goes on to say this. To live the mystery of Christ is not to speak about Christ, but to live in the surrender of love, the poverty of being, and the cave of the heart. If we can allow the Spirit to really take hold of us, and liberate us from our fears, anxieties, demands, and desire for power and control, then we can truly live in the risen Christ who empowers us to build this new creation. So where are we going to begin this project, this mission, or where are we going to continue it? How might we live with a heavenly worldview and be builders with God of the new creation. Well, I'm sure there are lots of examples you can think of. A couple of examples that came to my mind this week when I was asking, asking myself that question. I remember from uh, Sterling, a woman who was crippled by anxiety for years. She couldn't face leaving her own house. And one day, someone from the church dropped by and offered to take her out to risk leaving the security of her own prison and cross her threshold and venture out into what she saw as the big bad world. Well, with that little bit of help, it turned out that the world wasn't such a bad place after all for her, and she's now enjoying a more normal life. So for her, she's discovered a better world thanks to a small act of kindness that made a big difference. That's the body of Christ growing. I remember also the lonely man who one day was invited to accompany a friend to a worship service in church, something he'd thought about doing for ages but never got round to. And he now can't stay away because he found warmth and acceptance in that faith community that recognizes there is a brokenness, brokenness in all of us. And he's being healed of his loneliness and the other stuff in his life and is beginning to live in the flow of God's generosity and love, serving others where he can. So he too is someone who's discovered a better world thanks to the kindness of someone prepared to get alongside. Again, this is the body of Christ in action. At the Alpha course this week, we were thinking about how God might guide us in life. And we watched a powerful little video clip about a former gangster called Paul Cowley, who was being led to show kindness to the father that he'd never really had. I'm going to show you this clip now, so let's watch this. Now, we had sort of a heavy relationship with my mum and dad, and I never really got with my father. And he was absent most of my life actually, either drunk or having some affair, just awful. And then when I became a Christian, 
I wanted a relationship with my dad. I wanted him back in my life. I had to track him down, which I did, and he was living in a, a pensioner's flat in Macclesfield on his own. You know, I thought he'd have changed like I did. He hadn't. He was grumpier. He was older. He was drinking more. He was just vulgar, crude, you know, sarcastic. That is exactly what I remembered. And I invited him down to our house, to our home in, in London. And he'd get the train down and I'd meet him at Euston Station. And every time I'd meet him on, on the platform, I'd go and get him when he was coming off. He'd be whinging and moaning and complaining and slightly drunk. And one of the things he used to whinge about all the time was money. And then one day he came to stay and um, he got quite poorly and had to go to the local hospital. Ended up staying for a week. It was a nightmare. Um, and I wanted to get him back home when he was better. So we took him to Euston Station and I put him on the train uh, and sat him down. And right in the middle of the carriage, I had this overwhelming feeling of love for my dad and it was really weird. And I almost started to cry in the carriage. I looked at him and I felt really sad for him. That we'd never had a relationship. I don't ever remember eating a meal with my father. All that stuff came up for me. And in my mind came this idea to upgrade his ticket to a first class ticket to Manchester. And, and I bought a very expensive single uh, first class ticket back to Manchester. And I walked him into the first class compartment. And I sat him down and I kissed him on the head. And as we stood on the platform, Amanda said to me, what on earth are you doing? I said, you know what, I have no idea. I just really wanted to see my dad happy. And as I looked at him through, through the window of, of the carriage, I saw my father take his trilby off, he always wore a hat, take his trilby off and put it on the table. He hit the, the recline button and saw then back in the leather seat. And then he clicked his fingers and some of the waiters brought him a cup of tea and some biscuits. And then he got his newspaper out and started to read it. And as he was doing that, he just turned to look at me out of the window. And he had the biggest smile on his face that you could ever see. It's like every birthday, every Christmas had all come together. And he was beaming. And that was the last time that I ever saw my father. Three weeks later, he died of a, a massive heart attack on his own in that pensioner's flat. Now I always think, was that me just making up an idea that I thought I might buy him a ticket? Or was that God guiding me? I have a real peace with my father through all those years of arguments and fighting and drinking and womanizing and, and, and just awful stuff. The only image I've got of my father is that picture of his face looking through that railway carriage as it drove off. So, in conclusion, Jesus wasn't put off his mission. He kept on pursuing the heavenly agenda of God. And now he's given us the same power, the same spirit, the same ability, so that Christ is being formed in us and among us, and we're here to share it with those around us. Now we are compelled by the Spirit of Christ to be builders of a better world and to see and imagine this new creation breaking in in the midst of our world. So let's not be put off 
from any of that, but rather let's on keep on seeking the kingdom of heaven and keep on rejoicing in the glimpses that we're already seeing happening. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that you've chosen each of us to be part of your mission of love in this world. As citizens of heaven, we pray for opportunities in this coming week to extend the kingdom of heaven and to grow the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.